Hello and welcome to the Automate and Delegate podcast. What should you not be doing in life, business, and building relationships? Every episode is high takeaway value with tips, tools, and stories you can implement today. Now to your host, Brad Stevens, lifetime entrepreneur, global speaker, and high-performance expert. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome again to Automate and Delegate podcast, where you know we are committed to figuring out what you should not be doing to fast-track your life, your business, and uh, relationships. And I'm your host, Brad Stevens. And with us, uh, as always, we kick off our episodes with Third, our Director of Service Delivery uh, based in the Philippines. And um, he's going to be sharing a tool that we always kick off our episodes. So you got something immediately you can take away and, and use in your in your life and business. So uh, what do you got for us today? Hey, Brad. Hi, everyone. So the tool that I have for you this week is named Milk Video. So what it basically milk is... Milk Video? Yeah. Am I okay? Milk Video. Yep. Okay. So you, you'll understand further why it's named Milk Video. So it's essentially something that takes your webinar videos and create highlight videos out of it so it is on point on brand videos with captions oh wow so it's like little snippets there um so can this help with our with our outsource access webinars which are usually you know an, an hour long or so yes brad so as an example uh, our hour long videos at outsource access you just simply upload it and you can create two minute highlight videos out of those so it's called milk video for a reason because it just basically makes your videos 10x. So within a matter of minutes, there will be multiple videos created out of your webinar. Because you know, as you do this webinars, Brad, there are a lot of codable codes that's in there. Yeah. And that essentially creates those snippets out of that, which you can put forward in your LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. And what's the great thing about this is 80% of videos or people watching videos online, they don't put the sound on. Right. So with, the, with those captions, you're certainly going to get their attention. That's fantastic. So it's, you know, a lot of people when they're creating content, they're doing webinars or doing videos and they put it out there. You got to have little teasers, you know? And yep. so uh, it sounds like it goes and it, it kind of creates little teaser components that you can use and use on social to tease to get people to watch a video or, you know, a webinar and does it automated for you. Fantastic. We need to make sure we're, we're rolling these into to our world. It's amazing how many tools are, are out there um, coming out every single day. Well, thanks for checking that one out and reporting on it for us. Um, and as always, you can go to uh, automatedelegate.com forward slash tools and uh, get access to uh, a bunch of the tools that we cover during our episodes and others that we're always uncovering. And, you know, we do have a partnerships with some of these, you know, tool companies uh, only because we believe in them and, you know, and use them our, our, ourselves uh, or we'll be using them ourselves. So uh, thanks, sir. Appreciate it. No we'll jump at our episode. All right, everybody. Well, welcome again to another episode of the Automate and Delegate podcast. What should you not be doing um, to help you fast track your, your life, business, and relationships? And uh, tremendously excited to have our next guest on, Mr. Uh, Jim Beach, um, just a highly decorated uh, individual as an entrepreneur, um, you know, McGraw-Hill you know, publisher, national syndicated uh, you know, radio host. He's taught and presented it in, in, in India, Egypt, Japan, Korea, Argentina. Um, and has been a keynote speaker for everything from SunTrust to McKinsey to Chick-fil-A. Um, just a highly accomplished uh, individual and knows a, a thing or two about scale. Got some pretty interesting projects I'll tell you about um, as we'll kind of dive in. So, Jim, thanks so much for, for joining us today. 
It is my pleasure and honor. Thank you for having me. So as we kick off all our uh, episodes here, just uh, give, a, give a little bit of insight into your world. But um, if you don't mind just kind of giving everybody a recap, you know, just who you are, you know, what you do, um, and how does that tie to sort of your impact or purpose statement, the difference you're trying to make in the world with, uh, with your entrepreneurial journey? Well, I am primarily a radio host at this point on 25 AM FM stations around the country, always writing books. Uh, I have published four now, and I have my fifth book coming out soon on blockchain. I was hired by the Blockchain Chamber of Commerce to write a book for them and very excited about that. I think blockchain is going to be the essence of just about every industry. Uh, do a lot of consulting and do a lot of outsource hiring. So I think that I'm excited for this conversation. Uh, and congratulations to you. I think you just went over 300 employees. I want to call that out and make sure your audience knows that. <laughs> Huge accomplishment. So congratulations. Well, I wouldn't have any credibility. <laughs> yes, the credibility. So, But here's my thoughts on why. Uh, primarily, my radio show is designed to help other entrepreneurs and just to introduce entrepreneurs to other business models that they might not have run across or to introduce them to, to cool people and to teach every aspect of entrepreneurship. But I have to tell you my why, even though I spend a lot of time helping small businesses, my why is uh, very different, I think, from everyone else's. And I feel like I'm the most honest person out there. I don't have a why other than to go to Disney World and pay the light bill. You know, I'm just trying to make a <laughs> bunch of money. And I've argued with Simon Sinek about this. Uh, we've argued about it several times and completely disagree. And he was 100% dismissive of me. You, this idea that if you're not passionate about what you do, you can't get up at six in the morning and do it for 12 hours a day. I have sold purses, I have sold leather, I have sold beef, I have sold nursing services, I have sold accessories, I have sold jewelry, none of which I use. I've sold so many products that I don't ever use and would never use that I just don't understand why people say you have to have a purpose. My purpose is to make my kids and my wife and I have great lives and fulfilled happiness. And the best way for me to do that is to give them tons of time. And I give them tons of time because I don't work for the man. I don't commute. And uh, I get to do whatever I want, which means going to ballet at three o'clock and then take them to Disney two or three times a year. And in my personal life, I'm very interested in helping businesses. And, uh, you know, I volunteer for uh, several charities. and I'm very active in some the Masons, for example, but that's got nothing to do with my business life. I will do anything that's mostly legal and a little bit moral if I can make money at it so that I can go to Disney more or to woodworking school more or buy a new pool deck, you know? So my why is to make a lot of money so I can go to Disney more. <laughs> well, you know, at the end of the day, the, the impact, right? And I'll, and I'll argue with you if anybody's, you know, heard your radio show and the tremendous audience that you have and, the, and the, the individuals that come on and speak, you know, whether you indirectly or directly are trying to have an impact, um, you are. Uh, but bringing those stories and, and what everybody's heard and listened and through those journeys, it's just had a huge ripple effect. I know people that have shared the guests they've listened to and the impact it's made in their lives. And, uh, and family is certainly a, a very noble why as far as delivering that happiness and freedom and that experience, because ultimately, 
those are the people we're bringing into society that'll be our future. And uh, you, know, you bring the right kind of people in and, and build them in them, instill the right morals and ethics and uh, opportunities which you're giving them. You know, it, it translates. So, well, thanks for uh, trying to give us a little background. And um, so, you know, jump into our next session. Here is you know three challenges, three solutions, right? So obviously the, the, the theme of this is automate and delegate. And I like to make this podcast be someone can walk away and immediately have something they can implement, a strategy, a tool, a resource. Um, and I know you're very familiar with this, this subject matter. We've had conversations. So I'd like to just uh, take about five minutes each and just have you share just what is you know, three different kind of specific growth or, or, or scaling challenges that you had. Um, and what is that specific strategy or resource that, that you used? And if you can, what was the outcome? If there's a financial outcome, if there's a time-saving outcome, or, or just a sanity outcome, uh, what was it? So let's start with number one. What's a, uh, an initial challenge, both business or business or personal, you could share and, and how you went about resolving it? Well, my first thought on this was, you know, personal development. The idea that when you start a business, you're good at something, maybe plumbing or dentistry or selling gizzards or whatever it is. And then though, you have to realize you need to also get good at marketing and HR and finance and all of the classes that you would take, say, in an MBA type program. My first challenge when I started my first business when I was 25 was every year I had to improve my personal skill set and grow dramatically and pick up a new thing that I had never thought was going to be interesting to me. I have no interest in marketing. I'm not a marketer person, but you know what? I can't grow my business unless I do a really good job of understanding my market and all of that silly stuff that they talk about knowing your customer and, you know, you should be able it's to pesky tell customers. what car your customer drives, you know, right? all of that's true. And I spent, two years getting to know my customer and my value proposition changed every year and got more and more and more precise. And I think that well, that was year one. And then year two, we had an HR issue. We uh, went from two to 11 locations in our second year and had to hire about a hundred people. And that was an amazing challenge for us. We had no ability to do that. Didn't know how to do it. Didn't have the systems. Year three, we went to 59 locations and money was an issue, cash flow and dealing with, you know, how do we raise enough money to bring it in or to develop the new locations? So for me, the number one thing that I think about is to scale, you're going to have to scale your personal development at each and every level and each and every skill set that an entrepreneur needs to have. At some point, you have to get good at HR or you're going to get sued. You know, at some point, you have to figure out financial management or you're going to run out of cash. At some point, you have to figure out how do you get that value proposition into an ad that is going to make your 800 number ring or your website active. So for me, the first thing that I had to do is realize scale is not about the numbers. Scale is about me scaling and me developing the skill set to be an HR boss, uh, a marketing boss. You know, someone had to tell the marketing department what to do. That's you. That's the entrepreneur. First problem for me was learning personal development. And is there any, you know, when you went about solving that challenge, you knew you needed to kind of build that skill set. I can't agree more. I was just talking to a to Ninja that I work with the other day, you know, and everybody thinks of me as the process person and, and documenting process and details. I'm like, do you think I enjoy actually making this whole list of things that need to happen in these protocols? No. 
But I know that unless I do that, I will not be able to have the foundation on which to scale and grow, you know, our business. Um, and to your point, you know, you have to be that technician sometimes and do things that maybe you're not super passionate about as a part of the equation or delegate it and find that resource. So when you went to go and build your skill set in those areas, whether it's marketing or HR, what was kind of your go-to? Was it, was it a mentor? Was it a book? Was it a, a podcast? What was kind of your approach to dig in for some of our listeners that are needing to fill those gaps? Well, they didn't have podcasts when I'm talking about. This is back in the the uh, last century. So the AM radio, podcast, they would just turn the turn the dial and and listen in. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, I was at Stanford the summer that Google was invented. So that's how far back we're going, pre Google right. era. Uh, what was the question, Brad? I got lost. <laughs> As far as like what approach you took specifically oh, to resolve to solve. those challenges, yeah. whenever you realized you came up against a wall and like, you know what, marketing yeah, yeah, yeah. or HR, what, what was kind of your approach to solve those problems? Each, each one I solved differently. Uh, HR, I took a class uh, sort of like a Dale Carnegie type thing, a management class that I think that I found in Skyview, Skyways Magazine, the Delta Magazine. <laughs> It was one of those classes, like a how to not get sued type class. I went to New York. So there's City good stuff for, in those magazines. Sometimes <laughs> there is. You know, sometimes yeah. it's full of junk, but uh, there are some real classes there. And I took a great program. Uh, I think it was sponsored by the American Marketing Association or something like that in New York City, a week-long class where I dedicated a whole week and $10,000 to going and taking a class. Other times I would sit down with my uh, accountant and make him explain to me why those two columns are supposed to be equal and show me with my numbers why your assets and your liabilities are equal, but they're not. And then, you know, okay, <laughs> well, you know, I never, I took that class three times in college and graduate school and got a C all three times. And I never understood assets and liability until I looked at my numbers with my accountant and said, oh, you're right, I, I do have goodwill, and I, uh, it is worth about that, you know, and it, that started to make sense. Uh, I also went to my father as a mentor. My father was a successful entrepreneur and ran some businesses, and he was able to provide uh, advice and stability in a way that no one else was. For each problem, I solved it a different way. Each solution needed a particular type of uh, skill set and sometimes you get that off of a podcast. Sometimes you get it out of a Brian Tracy book. Sometimes uh, you learn that from a mentor. Sometimes you go to EO and learn it from an organization like that. So I think that each yeah. problem requires a specific solution and that you need to research that solution at that time. And the theme I'm hearing, though, is at the end of the day is, you know, entrepreneurs have to always be scanning the horizon for opportunities, for insight, for learning. Put yourself in the way of listen to those books when you're taking a, I mean, my wife and I, we took a long road trip back to her family in Michigan recently, you know, and, and I revisited Good to Great, you know, Jim Collins, a great book that I hadn't read since my late 20s. And re-listening to that just completely just opened my eyes like I'd listened to it for the first time, being where I am now at 41 in a large company and leadership roles. So putting yourself constantly in the way of content, of mentors or relationships, um, that's the core theme. And, and the answer may reveal itself in different ways, whether it's a book, whether it's a podcast, whether it's a mentor. But if you're not constantly looking and scanning, you're, you're never going to come across it. And trying to figure out what your next step is going to be. Your career is a series of improvements in yourself. 
And if you haven't encountered an HR crisis yet, you're going to. And so you might as well go ahead and start getting ready for it. Uh, start. Don't be reactive. A skill set that, yeah, be very proactive and say, you know, I'm, I'm going to be an entrepreneur and I'm, you know what? I bet I'm going to be the first salesperson. <laughs> Start listening exactly. to some sales podcasts and learn how to be that first salesperson. And on that note, I'll share a nugget. One of the best sales books I actually read and actually used as a curriculum that I made our sales team listen to in my last business before they can give them the phones is um, what great salespeople do. The power of story and selling through emotion. Probably one of the best tools that, that I've kind of shared with, with uh, sales teams. Um, well, very good. Well, yeah, it's a great theme at the end of the day. It's being proactive, being ahead of the curve. And as I share now, that's one of the biggest things I've learned as an entrepreneur now is always be where the puck is moving on the ice, right? It's just, where is that next place happening? And we've had this rapid scale and growth that we've been dealing with, right? And I throttled sales in order to get operations in place, be proactive and get ahead of the curve. Because uh, your point, you know, if you're going entrepreneur, you're going to need those skills. And if you can go ahead and have some insight and knowledge about it before it hits you, so you're not scrambling and be reactive, you know, the more, the more agile you're, you're going to be. Awesome. Well, I'll close out our, our first one there. So, um... This episode is sponsored by Outsource Access, the choice for entrepreneurs, small business, and busy professionals for highly talented and affordable virtual assistants and outsourcing needs. Visit outsourceaccess.com learn to learn more and use code automate to get $100 off their signature and risk-free assessment process. What else comes comes to mind? And this can be even a you know a project. I know you got a pretty cool book, book projects and some things. What is another scale or growth challenge that you had and uh, were navigating, and how you went about resolving it? Uh, the second thing that really comes to mind is uh, people, HR. So the business that I was referring to, eventually we grew it to eighty nine locations. We had 50, 55 permanent employees. But every what was that business again, had, Jim? Just the audience, just to confirm. Uh, we were in the for-profit children's education space. Gotcha. So any way that you can make money by taking care of kids. So we ran summer camps at Stanford, MIT, Georgetown, UCLA, Oxford, Cambridge, Sorbonne, uh, Emory, SMU, all over the world uh, at local big powerful universities like MIT and Stanford. Uh, then we also took care of kids after school, at boys and girls types programs. Gotcha. We ran uh, online things. We were one of the first online learning academies um, back in 96. We had online experiences for kids. So any way that we could take care of kids so your parents wouldn't have to. Um, <laughs> There's revenue the in that, that's for thing, sure. The main thing that we were teaching was... Uh, and this is what we learned after talking to the parents and learning our values was we were learning or teaching happiness to unhappy kids. Our customers were huh. unhappy kids. And if you were a football star or a cheerleader, you did not end up in one of our programs. You ended up in our program if you had no friends. Huh. And eventually we embraced that and that became one of our uh, marketing tools that if I could get mom on the phone and say, ma'am, is your child having trouble socially? And the mother would pause. I knew we had just made a sale. And so we had to hire 700 people a year to wow. go and take, teach those skill sets. And this is, you know, again, this is before all of the LinkedIn's and the, the websites existed. <laughs> um, you know, so we had to hire 
700 people a year, which meant that of the 50 people, we had 10 whose full-time job it was to go and find people with green hair and the really smart kids at all of the universities around yeah. and bring them into our system. And so standardizing that process was the hardest thing that our business ever had to do was learning how to go find 700 new people a year, which meant that we had to interview 2,100 people a year, which meant that we had to look at 21,000 resumes a year, which means that we had to have 40,000 people who maybe knew that we were interested in them. Uh, those you are challenges. Check out their, uh, you had to look at their MySpace page, see if they were credible. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it was the MySpace era and. So what are some of the tools you, know, you use for that? I mean, back in the day, I mean, not having, you know, the technology we have now at your fingertips, you know, you can go in LinkedIn or indeed and post and so forth. I mean, I'm curious what, aside from carrier dove, maybe you had to send out, uh, what are some of the techniques you, know, that you guys used back then or just the process the of the thinking that you did about it? The old fashioned things of advertising in school newspapers and going to the career and placement centers at 200 universities, you know, so spending someone would spend a day on campus every day of the year going to the placement office and saying, we have hundreds of great jobs and we'd like to hire your kids. Um, and eventually became the largest employer of Stanford undergraduates. Um, employing about 200, 250 Stanford kids every year. So uh, the system worked, but it took a lot of time and a lot of effort. Uh, and to build that system and all of the other systems uh, was a challenge for us. We had things because we were dealing with kids, young people that other businesses didn't have to worry about. You know, uh, We had to have a process for getting a kid to the hospital. We had to have a Ritalin process. You know, how do you hand out the drugs every day to 15 or to 100, you know, 12 year olds? But then we had to do, you know, processes that we had never thought of. What happens when a young woman has her first menstrual cycle at camp and her mother's not there? Wow. That's a fun one. Yes. You know, that happened to me as a 25 year old. I had to deal with that. And then I had to go and teach 89 other. 25 to 30 year olds how to deal with that and you know we had to write out a policy a system what is our procedure for first menstrual cycles so what i'm hearing the theme here is i mean at the end of the day and that we can parlay into current you know current circumstances all the stuff you did in terms of reaching out at the university level and, and we have a similar thing with the entrepreneurs organization i'm a part of we have this global student entrepreneur uh competition uh, actually just disney plus just did a uh, a documentary uh, called own the room uh, around it it was pretty cool but you know, connecting with universities and a lot of that has to be reaching out to the career departments and connecting. And there's certain ways now that you can digitally, you know, what you were having to do with a person on site there, you can actually digitally connect out and, and reach. So it's just a, a digital version of kind of the in-person, which is what we ought to see of, of today. I mean, it's, it's the same ultimate approach. It's just done in a you know, digital type of you know, format. But the other thing that I'm hearing you share, which is so critical, and it's you know, no entrepreneur wakes up and their feet hit the ground and like, I want to create processes today. That sounds so much fun. Like I was you know, referencing before. I want to start 19 more things and not finish them, right? Myself included sometimes. I just want to be that fun, you know, visionary, but, you know, can't impress enough. I mean, like you said, the first thing you probably said the word process, I think eight times, because that's what it is. I mean, at the end of the day, at some point when you're scaling, you've got to be committed 
to reducing down, getting your team in a room, get a whiteboard and think, okay, what are the protocols? What are the responsibilities? Let's you know, document this process to kind of roll it out. You know, in current times, fortunately, there's tools. I mean, one of the tools we use a lot with our clients out there is uh, like Trainual. Uh, Trainual.com is a fantastic tool. Another one's called Process Street. Um, so a lot of tools now exist that, you know, again, the theme is you got to have a process, whether it was 100 years ago or, or today. Um, but now at least you've got some tools to help bring that to light, even make it web-based and walk you through that. Um, and Screencast-O-Matic is one of my favorite tools ever to kind of record on the screen and kind of use in the process. But it sounds like that was a key theme is just committed to those processes and it process sets you free. It really will if you'll commit to doing it. Yes, it will. Yes. Very important. Awesome. Well, let's, uh, let's round out on a, on a third challenge. And thanks so much. Those are two fantastic ones and some great practical takeaway solutions. So um, got a third one, kind of a key challenge, a uh, plan, uh, maybe a recent project or something you've done and we're navigating how to get it done, executed. You know, this is true for every business that I've ever been involved with. Getting out of the business is the most important thing. You cannot, as the entrepreneur, do the actual business. And if you're doing any piece of the business, you're failing yourself. So now my business is radio, which means that I have to be on the air a certain amount of time. <laughs> I can't delegate that. But every single thing else is delegated. So I don't do anything except the time that I'm actually on the air. I don't find the guests. I don't interview or you know research the guests. I don't do the web stuff. I don't do the marketing stuff. All of that has to be done by somebody else so that I can focus on the most important thing, which is bringing in new revenue sources, which is finding sponsors. And so you have to realize that the actual production of the business. So for you, finding clients and then in going and matching them up with your 300 employees in the Philippines, you shouldn't be doing much of that much longer. <laughs> you know That should be outsourced. You should have employees who do that so that you can work on selling the business or merging the business or getting to a thousand employee or whatever. It's the old expression, work on the business, not in the business, right? And that's so true. And that for scale is your number one challenge. And so I owe it all. I you know, have a rule of three years. If at the end of the third year, you're not totally out of the business and only working on the business, if you're doing any day-to-day -day stuff, you, you, you're not going to succeed. You, you're, you failed yourself. Or if you can't go on vacation for a month at the end of year three and have the business and come back and the business be better off, you know, the business should yep. be better off when you leave for a month <laughs> because they, you, you have real people doing the systems and making real, you know, informed decisions as opposed to my emotional crazy decisions, right? Um, you should be able to leave at the end of year three and go take a week vacation and come back and have absolutely no difference. You shouldn't get called on vacation. If you do, you're not doing it right. right. And so my third thing is, by the year three, I want you out of the business. And by year five, remember, I don't know what well, we, I shouldn't say remember. Businesses max out at month 48 in terms of their value. And after month 48, they're probably not growing as fast. In other words, you should sell almost every business at month 48. At month 50, you will make less on a per dollar basis per month basis than you would if you had sold it earlier. In other words, 
by year three, you should be getting out of the business and trying to sell it by month 48, because that's when your ROI will be at the maximum level. So I think that's the most critical thing. By year four, you want to be not only out of the business, but getting ready to sell it and uh, move on. I love on those tight, definitive timeframes. Where did, where did you kind of come up with that timeframe? I don't know if there's is there a study-based thing or uh, something you kind of found in kind of your journey. No, that's, a, that's a great takeaway. There's studies about that. There, uh, and I know the guy's face. I can picture the man's face who is sort of the definitive source on this, but I cannot uh, remember. We can drop it in the show notes for everybody. Yeah. Um, but there are, uh, you know, some definitive studies that have been done on this that show that generically that around month 48, the bell curve starts to go down in terms of your rate of growth. You know, obviously a business could be worth a billion dollars at year 10. Um, that's more than it was worth at year four, right? But in terms of growth, uh, that's the time to sell it. And so uh, I like that because I also get bored of stuff around then. Uh, and so it's time to move on and find a new book to write. Well, it's good for people to have mindset, you know, specific timeframes, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs and I know myself in my early twenties, it was just, you just keep waking up and paddling every day. Right. And don't have a clear, you know, beginning, middle end of sort of where you're going. And so, you know, whether or not you hit it exactly, but to have a mindset and say, look, my goal is at three years and that's plenty of runway to get yourself in a place to get processes developed, to get an economically sound business underway to get to, to be able to support, you know, the resources that you need to delegate appropriately so that, you know, you can step away. And it's funny, I actually use that in the, the forum, the mastermind group I'm in, 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 uh, in EO, we talk about that is, you know, can you step away for a month? That's a real litmus test. Can you step away for a month and not dig in and, and micromanage and so forth and let the machine run? And I use a, a similar, you know, reference. I call it the 85% rule. You know, a lot of time in my business, especially with outsourcing and BAs, it's, look, if it can get 85% of the way of what I would do it and it just gets done, then, you know, I call it a win. I, I you know, like blog sure. writing, for example, I, I could micromanage and change every single word. And it's not exactly my voice and tone and maybe get one out every six months, or I can let someone get it, understand my voice and tone. They get 85% of the way and we get five to six out and they're generating leads and opportunities for us. Um, it's been interesting for me being having a business on the other side of the world is I physically can't get in the middle of it every day. And it's probably been one of the best testaments to our scale and growth is I haven't been able to get in and kind of meddle in it, you know, in a in physical kind of you know, person way, because you're right, us entrepreneurs, we can, we can derail and want to optimize and so forth. But it, it is truly a mindset shift. Um, you know, one of the classic books, if anybody hasn't read it, even if you're a seasoned entrepreneur, it's a good one to revisit is, you know, the old e-myth book, you know, you know, shifting out of working on to working, you know, working in and working on from a technician standpoint. So well, hopefully everybody will keep this. that in mind. Don't read the books, read the synopsis of the books because the books are so repetitive. Almost every book, business book is 12 chapters. And if you read chapter one and two, you've got 95% of what they're gonna say. Read the, the 12 page synopsis summaries that are out now. Um, don't waste 10 hours reading a book, please. Read the <laughs> summary in one hour and then say you've read the whole thing. Or do the um, audible at, a, yes. at two times speed, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> But as entrepreneurs, remember, our goal is to sell the business, not to run the business. If you're running the business at year 10, you're not an entrepreneur anymore. You're a business owner, and that's a different beast. Yeah. An entrepreneur is someone who starts businesses. At year 10, you're not starting a business. That's running a long-term business. Congratulations. That's an incredible accomplishment, but it's a different thing. Entrepreneurship is about selling the business. 
That's where the profit comes from, selling it. And Brad, you, you, your growth now from 300, you're going to go from <laughs> 300 to 450, and you'll be able to show that, and then you should sell it because no one, you go from 450 to 500, it's going to be so much harder. Just get out, get out. <laughs> well, you know, and everybody takes their journey. You know, it's, uh, I think we've, we're fortunate in a place where we have tremendous, uh, you know, no constraint points from a scaling standpoint. So we've got a, we've got a, a pretty long runway ahead, but uh, we'll definitely keep that in mind. And so I think the big takeaway from that three years, get out of the business, you know, year four, looking at the opportunity for an exit, possibly if uh, that's kind of path it's going to take you. And a quick share for anybody we're talking about, you know, I completely agree. Uh, short form is actually one of the I use that I found as a fantastic book summary. I uh, go to shortform.com. I've used it recently for, for good to great thinking, grow rich. Um, uh, and, a, and a couple others are really great. Um, summary you know website for books so well awesome jim well thanks so much for those kind of three challenges three specific resources i know our listeners are going to be able to see themselves through the through the lens of some of those examples uh, which is fantastic so we'll close out here um and so I, you know, as i do with all of all guests just like to have each person share it's interesting to see how what, what they value most is if you could choose just one characteristic most crucial for being a successful entrepreneur what would it be and why uh, getting off the sofa. It's entirely about initiative and, and doing it. You know, it's not about creativity. It's not about risk-taking. Entrepreneurs are not creative people. 93% of businesses are copies of someone else's business. Entrepreneurs are not risk-takers. They are people who reduce risk to the point where it's a no-brainer to start the business. Uh, entrepreneurs, I've already told you my thoughts on passion, so it's not about that. Entrepreneurship is about getting off the sofa. It's about initiative, drive, uh, the desire to succeed. And all of that means turning the real housewives of Dallas Cowboys television <laughs> off just, yep. you know, and getting to work. You know, So it means getting your ass off the sofa. That's, that's all it is. And you don't have to have any other skill set uh, every single thing else can be learned or copied or initiated or, you know, uh, imitated. You know, right. I'm not a, uh, an outgoing person, but I pretend to be one on radio every day. Uh, you don't have anything else. All you have to do is just get off the sofa. Initiative. Drive. Initiative. I love it. And that's, uh, could not agree more. Uh, it's, it's that factor of getting up and just making something, you know, happen, you know, it, referencing good to great we were talking about earlier and that's one key things from jim collins i took away and he, when they studied all the successful companies when they studied i think 1400 companies when they looked at good to great and they chose 11 out of the 1400 that mattered and when they when they isolated all the things you typically think when they talk about the the the, the ceo and talks about level five leadership you know they say nope it wasn't charisma no it wasn't they got more lucky and no it wasn't any of these things right it was simply it was getting up and turning the flywheel doing those incremental initiative steps along the way and you keep doing it you don't just wake up all the say a day and, and you know it's a success you know you got to do those incremental steps it starts with getting off the sofa and uh and moving forward so very good initiative key takeaway well thanks so much jim for your time really appreciate uh you sharing your your wisdom here uh so anybody wants to check out your latest adventures things that you're up to where can they uh learn more about you visit you website social handles where, where, where do they want to find you jimbeach.com and at entrepreneur jim that's where all the magic is right there yep <laughs> always at entrepreneur jim if i'm on that channel and uh also on linkedin jim beach jimbeach.com schoolforstartupsradio.com Fantastic. And School for Startups Radio. We actually mentioned the name of the radio. We talked all about it. but uh, Oh, that's right. School for Startups Radio. Right <laughs> yeah, it's all been right behind him the whole time as well. 
Uh, yes. but, well, fantastic. Everybody take a, take a listen. It's uh, Jim. Jim's a fantastic uh, interviewer and I've been on his, uh, his uh, show before and uh, always be on your toes. You never know what's going to want to happen. So you're always in for store for a good uh, interview when you listen to a show. So awesome, man. Well, thanks so much. We appreciate you being with us. CEO of Volvo today. CEO of Volvo today. Mm -hmm. Oh, right on. Well, got some, some pedigree you can listen to for sure on that show. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jim. I appreciate it. Thank you, Brad. Take care. This episode is sponsored by Outsource Access, the choice for entrepreneurs, small business, and busy professionals for highly talented and affordable virtual assistance and outsourcing needs. Visit outsourceaccess.com learn to learn more and use code automate to get $100 off their signature and risk-free assessment process.